What's up, everybody? It's IBS Jesus coming at you guys live with the IBN College Football Podcast for Week 10. Got with me my co-host, Marcus Anthony. Let me see if he's here. Marcus, what's up, man? Look, we got it right on the first time. It only took 10 weeks. (laughs) That's the first. Yeah, so we got a a pretty um, good show today. I think um, we're going to touch on some some topics that are near and dear to all of us, including the new changes um, with the NCAA potentially allowing players to be compensated. Um, But first, I want to talk about something that we don't normally touch on um, on our podcast, but we both love. Who are your top three best non-Power 5 schools? Man, so top three group of five schools. Man, I was I was struggling with thinking about Boise, but just from what I've seen, I would say Cincy, SMU, and App State are probably the three best group of five teams. Um, I know Cincy, and I said this earlier in the year, that Cincinnati was a really good football team. Luke Fickle is a really good coach. That You know, they've recruited really well the state of Ohio. They've recruited even nationally in some aspects. I know, you know, they walked into the horseshoe and got beat by 40 points. But, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's excusable because they lost to arguably, you know, it looks like if not the best team in the country, one of the top four teams in the country for sure. And then, you know, SMU, what they're doing there with Shane Bouchelle and Sonny Dyke, I think they got a good thing going. But I just don't think they play any defense. And I think, you know, if you really want to be – you know, what Houston was a couple of years ago over Boise State, you know, they made their name doing is you got to be able to play defense also. You got to be able to match some guys, you know, when you're, if you're really thinking about competing and being that, you know, elite group of five team. And then App State, you know, I think a lot of people just thought App State was going to fall off when, um, excuse me, Scott Satterfield left and went to Louisville. But I mean, Drinkwitz has looked like he's been a really good coach. Um, Zach Taylor's been balling, and they're running through the Sun, Sun Belt Conference. And, you know, this was a team that, you know, in the last – really since they beat Michigan, right, and you've seen their program just really ascend over the last, what, it's been 10 years, 11 years, or whatever it is now. So I would think those three schools are probably the best group of five. But unlike previous years, I, I felt pretty confident with a group of five schools like UCF or Houston or whoever it may be, Boise would really have a chance to compete with, I would say, the top 10, you know, level teams. But I just think there's a huge gap between the top 10 and maybe the best group of five teams. So, but I, yeah. I would go Cincy. Cincy is probably the best group of five out of those two. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I've been high on Cincinnati all year. Um, and I think it's, it's <clears throat> on paper, it's a race between Cincinnati and SMU. But I don't think, I, I don't think if they met on neutral ground, it would be, as competitive as people would like it to be. Um, I will say that I would throw in a wrinkle, although Appalachian State is the logical pick, I'm very impressed. I, I don't know what to say. I'm very impressed with my, with my boy in Air Force. Um, they do really good, man. I'm telling you, they're playing some good ball. And um, they uh, they win some games, cover the spread, and I, I think they get a little disrespected because they're a service school. But I think this year they're the, the clear-cut better service school. And then they also have that advantage in yeah. high altitude. Um, but, I mean, they they do it on both sides of the ball. and They, they force turnovers. They're, they're efficient. I really like them. I think they would make a case for it if they can get past Army and, and Navy, of course. 
But um, I think they could make a case for it, too. I'm very sad that my boys, the San Diego State Aztecs, are not in the conversation this year. We usually have some kind of running back. We usually upset some some um yeah. like conference USA school or something like that. But they they don't they just don't have it this year. Um, App State definitely uh, a solid program and, and they do it running the ball, which is something that you don't really get a lot of. Uh, sometimes when you think of these uh, these group of five teams, we think of flash. We think of like the guys who came from from a lot of those programs and, and have moved on, like Dino and um, I mean, with Fleck and, and guys like that, they they come from these schools where, where they, they're known for putting up a ton of points. But um, here lately we've seen teams really establish the run uh, in the group of five, and, and they've done wonders and still put up a lot of points. So um, I'm very impressed with, with those three teams, and I, and I really think that going forward we should put a little bit more emphasis as fans on these group of five schools because um, I think they're going whoever comes out on top, and ends up in a bowl game is is going to have a real good chance of, of making a splash because um, yeah. Cincinnati's tough, man. Cincinnati's yeah, tough. Cincinnati's I mean, SMU, when, even when they don't play defense, somehow they find a way. They're tough, uh, and, and the quarterback is playing extremely well. Um, so if you got a good quarterback, you always stand a chance in college football. So, um, yeah. not to recap this past weekend, um, we had some. That come from this past weekend that are going to roll into uh, the next couple weeks. I think the biggest storyline I want to get your opinion on this is the state of Alabama football without Tua. What was your take on uh, what you saw as far as execution on offense? Is it is it too early to tell? Is it just because they play Arkansas? Can they beat uh, LSU without Tua? It's Arkansas. Chill. I mean, you know, think about the worst team in the SEC. They are – well, they're not as bad as the Rutgers. I would say, you know, it would be equivalent to playing Northwestern or so in the Big Ten or, you know, playing any other, you know, bottom team in your conference. I think it's a little too early, you know, to say what Bama's going to be, you know, without Tua because regardless of how good everyone else is on that roster, replacing a guy who's arguably the number one pick or, you know, a top five pick. That's tough at any position, especially a position as important as quarterback. So I think that Bama has a chance. But I think that LSU, if two is not healthy, you know, he's not going to be 100%. We know that. And I want to see, you know, where is he? Is he going to play, which I think he is? All indications looks like he's going to play. But, I mean, is 60% of him better than Jones? I, I don't know about that. But I, I will say that Alabama – they had a pretty good game plan, and I think they wanted to put some things on film to say, hey, listen, even without Tua playing, we're still going to attack you vertically. We're going to get the ball in space to Jerry Judy. Najee Harris ran pretty well. And Jones looks to be solid, so as long as he can make good decisions, I think they can be competitive. But I think it's, it's, I don't think it's realistic to think that Bama can beat LSU without Tua because LSU is just playing on a clip like Ohio State. Bama and Ohio, Ohio State, LSU, and Bama are just playing at such an elite level, and I think you're going to need to be healthy, and you're going to have to execute to beat them. And I, I, I don't see a scenario where Jones can be that guy to, you know, take Alabama to the next level. Yeah, I, I, at what point would you be concerned about Tua and the ankle, man? I mean, this is this has been going on for about a, a good year. It's like he he's never been healthy. He just had surgery. And we're supposed to expect him to be back in, in, what, two weeks after the surgery? Or I guess he had surgery after the game and, and then they have this bye week. But 
Is it not concerning, like thinking further ahead, like as a draft prospect, is that not concerning that he continues to have issues with his lower body? Absolutely, it's concerning, especially for a position like quarterback, you know, when someone who's going to take a lot of shots, you know, around the knees, you know, the pile, you're around the pile, guys falling on you, and then just your overall health. I mean, if you're going to talk about a guy who's going to be a top, you know, five pick, and he has, you know, these type of injury concerns as an evaluator and as a guy, you know, who's going to draft to it, I'd be incredibly concerned because, and it's not even about, you know, the previous injuries. It's about, okay, you had this, you know, high ankle sprain. They put some reinforcement in your ankle. How's it going to respond going forward? What can we expect, you know, going forward? And I, I just don't see how anyone could not be concerned with his injury history right now because, I mean, honestly, he's injury prone. And when you get yeah. that label, you know, it's hard to shake. Yeah, we also had other news um, coming in from the NCAA. From a gaming perspective, I'm super hyped because it means hopefully I can get my NCAA hopefully. back. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> but uh, with, without getting too much into detail about it, because it, it doesn't seem like um, everything's been ironed out as far as the details, but the the – the groundwork has been done, and there is um, now a unanimous push, according to their vote, to uh, allow players to be compensated for their likeness and so forth. How do you see this playing out in the college football landscape? Because I, I think, if we're being honest, college football will probably be the most impacted sport. Basketball, because in my mind, basketball, uh, there's still a lot of exposure across the nation with, with even what we just like Gonzaga is is a contender and and they get exposure, they get on ESPN and so forth. But how does a UCF compete with a with a Florida Florida State um, or how does a Florida Atlantic com- compete with these much larger programs um, when they can compensate kids now? Well, the first thing I want to say is. I don't know, <laughs> really, and I don't really have an opinion yet on what I think this could become. Because first and foremost, I, I think I'm probably on the opposite end of it where I'm not really ready to give the NCAA a lot of credit. They didn't do this because they care about the kids and they care about, you know, the the equality of the economics of college football, college athletics in general. They did it because they were business and you know, they see profit for themselves, but also that the walls were closing in on them. I mean, you can think the state of California, states like Florida, who wanted to, you know, insert this legislation to, you know, allow a more um, balanced economic model in college football. So I think that for the NCAA going forward, I do want to see how they're going to regulate this and to see if this just is, if this is just a law to open up, you know, another, you know, bylaws going forward but i think schools like ucf i think the other schools you know some of the smaller schools which really would change that's that's what i want everybody to everybody keeps saying oh what about the smaller schools what about them the big 10 paid their members like 45 million dollars last year right so i mean the has and the have not there's always going to be that in college football and i don't Mm -hmm. think that it's going to impact the the i think the hierarchy of college football or how it's structured no i think individually you know you could see the players just have more freedom and, and i'm all for that and you got clowns like mitt romney and this senator burr who wants to now they want to tax these guys and now they're like oh we don't want you know we don't want these kids driving around in ferraris why not <laughs> 
I mean, yeah. why not? They've earned that, right? Like, so you just want to save all the money for the administrators and for the coaches? Like, I, I just think, like, you know, everyone's just jumping off this cliff right now, this legislation, but it had to happen. Like, it's about time it happened because, you know, and you look at it is that college football is such a, a, a cash cow, especially at these large, you know, major universities, the powerhouse, the blue blood university. So, I don't really know. I didn't really – it's kind of hard because the rule is just so vague right now, but I think ultimately it's going to return power to the kids and it's going to allow them to really, you know, like open the doors and, and look at themselves as a brand, which they should already, and they, they're going to really have a chance to, you know, just, just make some money, man, because everyone else is getting is getting filthy around them. And it's, and it's kind of sickening how you got guys like Dabo Sweeney, like, oh, if we start playing players, I'm going to quit. Bye. <laughs> like, get out of here then. Like, you know, and at some point – I think that is is going to be interesting going forward because as much as we look at these coaches and these administrators as like oh you know they're part of the game they're modern they they know you know where college football has to go no they're still part of the good old system you see that guys like Dabo Sweeney you see all these guys who come out and have been against it because they feel like you know their money or their brand is is being attacked so going forward man I think I think just the NCAA, I want to see what type of legislation comes after this, and really when they really go in and vote on this, I want to really see and read the um, read the bylaws and the regulations on how they're going to regulate. Because it is going to be interesting because you got guys like Oregon, which is the Nike capital of the world. Yeah, and get Oregon's definitely in play. You know, and you think about schools like, and you think about that. I think that could have, you know, I, I want to see how, how they're going to legislate that where you got guys like, you know, let's say you got a kid who's in Alabama or who's an Alabama recruit or whatever it may be. And now I think Oregon may be in play because they can provide, you know, some some other opportunities. So I know it's going to be capped, I'm pretty sure, and how they're going to do it. But, I mean, it's about time that it happens. Yeah, and, and I, I too, have uh, an issue with guys like Dabo coming out and saying things like that. One, I know you're bluffing. Well, we all know you're bluffing. You ain't gonna <laughs> uh, two, I mean, I don't understand. Well, I do understand how people would not want to give uh, <clears throat> a substantial amount of money to 18, 19-year-olds. And I don't think that's but why what not? they really – Well, I'm talking like dropping millions of dollars that. in their lap. Yeah, dropping like millions of dollars in their lap. Go ahead. Sure. I mean, what's different than the kids that are already – I mean, listen – even at Ohio State, I mean, you walk through the Fisher College of Business, you got kids there who aren't athletes. They're driving Maseratis. They're driving Ferraris. There's, there's already rich and poor kids on these rosters. I, I don't think that – look, Kyler Murray walked around Norman, Oklahoma last year with $5 million in his pocket. That's true. Well, I, you know, and that's what I think. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking. So, I mean, there's I'll already rich head. kids on these rosters. Yeah, so – so I guess what I'm trying to say is is that I can see where people would would be afraid to to drop. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking like think think like the old school you that we knew like Michael Irvin and them. You don't want to get them Bama's millions of dollars at that age. <laughs> like <laughs> you want to have it regulated somehow. But in the same breath, all of them annoyed because I'm like, bro, let hear them out first. I mean, they yeah. need to be compensated. That. The one thing that I always think of, and it's not necessarily football-related, and I'm just going to keep it quick, but when the Fab Five did that documentary and them dudes was talking about how they couldn't find food, like money for food, and then they're looking in windows with their jerseys and stuff for sale, like that made me mad, you know? And so um, I don't think anybody should have to go through that, and I I support the boys getting paid. Um, 
I, and I want to see how the NCAA uh, does it as well, how they or what their plan is going forward. Um, before we touch on key games, there is one team that I definitely want to get your opinion on that a lot of people have not been talking about, but after Oklahoma's loss, I really think their name needs to come into play, and that is Baylor. How good is Baylor? Should we take them serious? They've been under the radar all year. Baylor's good. I mean, I don't know how good. I think Kansas State. Now, even, you know, previously last week when I was like, man, going forward, Oklahoma's going to have some problems. And mm-hmm. I didn't think that it would be defensively. I mean, that defense just looked like, you know, the previous Oklahoma defenses of old where Kansas State was just, you know, getting whatever they wanted to. But I think I don't know if Baylor still can score enough points to beat Oklahoma. I think they were a really good team. And, and you know, just based on what I've seen, I've watched like four Baylor games this year. And they look like, you know, they're really good. They're solid up front. They got a good quarterback. Matt Rule's a good coach. But I, I just think their feeling is probably a two loss or – I mean, I think I could see them right now in the Big 12 finishing second or third. I think Texas has some serious issues, and I think they're probably a little better than Texas right now. But I don't think they're good enough to beat Oklahoma. And if that's where, you know, where the measuring stick is to being a Big Big 12 champion, I don't think they're there, but I think they're a really good football team. Yeah, and I think it's a testament to what good coaching can do. Um, and I think a lot of people will need to take, take a um, – note of that like this man inherited a program that was basically given the death penalty virtually like yeah i mean he lost everything he lost everything and it took him what maybe two years to turn it around i think it was about two years yeah. turning around yeah that's that's a job man that that's a job and and it's probably the most impressive coaching job uh in the nation right now if you ask me in regards to the, the quick turnaround um, we have a caller. We're gonna take him. Uh, let's see, seven zero five zero. Who are we speaking with? It's probably Patrick. Oh, oh yeah, but so you know who this is. Oh my God! Why do, <laughs> I, why do I not remember your number? All right, so we'll go ahead. I was I was saving this for your call anyway. Go ahead and tell us how Florida is gonna beat Georgia. Oh, oh, oh! You don't it sound you don't sound confident at all. Oh, no, actually, I'm very confident. Um, I'll say this with the two um, defensive um, players coming in, the two defensive stars for Florida, Jonathan uh, Grenard and Jabari Zuniga coming back, I think that, and hopefully healthy this time, healthy enough to make it through a full game, I think that will really clamp down on Georgia's run game because we've seen a lot of teams in the past, this past season, you know, they've made Georgia they made Georgia have to pass the ball. When you make Georgia pass the ball, they suck. It's, I don't know how else to put that one. Um, you're going to have to – it's going to be a load-the-box type game and have bodies in there. Make sure you hit DeAndre Swift the first time, and you cannot be missing tackles when you're going up against him because I don't care what team he's on, that man is nasty. But, yeah, yeah, no. But you're going to have to load the box. You have to try and like suffocate the run as much as possible, and you're gonna have to make Jake Throm throw the ball 30, 35, 40 times. Because if he throws it 35 times, 40 times, there's gonna be three picks. That's a guarantee. Would they even allow him to throw 30, 40 times, even if they were down? Yeah. <laughs> they I would will love because. To see it. All right, here, and I think I'm getting the idea, Kirby. The idea of Kirby is he's a 
great recruiter, but he's not a good in-game coach. Like, he can't fix it if it's going bad. Or if someone makes an adjustment, a counter-adjustment to what he had going into the game, he can't tweak his team to fix what's going on in, like, in the middle of the third quarter or going into halftime. He, it literally just lets the talent, like, play itself out. All right, so when Florida play LSU, you have bold predictions. Are you telling us that Florida is going to hold Georgia to under 27 points? Um, actually, this one may be 35-24, Florida. Oh, you think Florida is two scores better than UGA? Florida is going to score 35 points. Okay. And they're going to win by two scores. Okay. Marcus, Here's why. you game... take... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell us why. Uh, about round third quarter, it's going to start opening up. They're going to want to go for it a little bit more each team. And I think Florida right now, going through the air, they're, they're next head and shoulders above. They're head and shoulders above Georgia right now. Georgia hasn't shown where they can go down the field with the passing game, um, especially if Florida can get some quick drives going. And Kyle Trask has been sh- showing, especially in tough conditions, where he can move the ball down the field in 10, 15-play drives. I don't know how Georgia can keep up with that, especially they haven't shown it this year. Okay. Marcus? I think I think it's going to be a, a a 28-20 game, and I think UGA is, is going to win. Um, I think Kirby – I have confidence. I, I want to see what response Kirby is going to take because we know their vertical passing game is limited, and they're going to have to take some shots down the field because Grantham and that Florida defense is fast and they're regressive. And if you can become one-dimensional against that team, I do think that Jake Fromm is going to have a long night. What I don't understand about Kirby and about, you know, the offense, and it's not all on Kirby either. I think some of it's on Jake Fromm, some of it's on the offense coordinator, is with a ground game that's so good, when you have guys like Zamir White, you have guys like DeAndre Swift, you have to find a way to be able to have your run game complement your passing game, right? Well, even that play-action passing game isn't very good for a run team, which is, is mind-boggling to me. They got to get guys like Cager some easy passes. He's a big receiver. Get him on some slants. Get him on some digs. Get him on some screens. You got guys like George Perkins. So, but I just think ultimately at the end of the day, I have a lot. I have more faith in Fromm and Kirby than I do in Trask and Dan Muller. And I, maybe I could be way off, but I just think that <clears throat> I think that both of those, you know, that combo is a lot of experience. And I think Georgia's still hungry to get to Atlanta playing the SEC championship game because this is it, right? This is essentially the de facto SEC East championship, right? That we are assuming that both of these, whoever wins this um, game will be the winner of the SEC East. So, I mean, I, I just, maybe it's me, man. I don't have a lot of faith in the Florida to beat Georgia in a neutral site, but we'll see. I I, I think the defense, it'll, it'll be, you know, a 28-20 type of game. I don't think it'll be very high scoring, but I'm going with the Bulldogs, man. I mean, I could be wrong, but it won't be the, it won't be the first time, but I, I just don't see it. I um <clears throat> I like I like the Florida points, so I can't I can't go as high as 28-20. Yeah, I got them. I don't I haven't looked at the line yet. And when we um 
when we get to that portion of the show, I'll make sure I check it out. Um, but UGS, UGA, UGA laying six. They're giving six to Florida. Oh, they're giving six now? Yep. Wow. Six. That's up. I want to say that's up a lot. I feel yeah, like I, I thought it like three four. Yeah, 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 okay. It's at six now on my bookie. So here's my here's my fear. My fear is that um my coach used to say the cream rises to the top. And Georgia is the more talented team. So my fear is that Florida will come out and cover and play well and even probably be leading at the half because Georgia tends to start slow. The issue is is that Georgia grinds people, man. It doesn't matter who they're yeah. playing. They they end up wearing you down. And I don't know if Florida has the depth, um, which I think that that's come into question um, even against LSU at some point. They kind of like wore down a little on the defensive side of the ball. And if that happens, man, like Georgia's got enough to, to, to win and cover and and I'm just worried about that. I'm not too concerned with Trask as far as turning the ball over, the moment being too big for him or anything of that nature. Um, and I and I think he'll play well. But Florida's got a finished drive, which is very important. And then they've got to get, like, they have to control uh, Georgia's offense in the sense that they can't give up, uh, like, third downs. So they, they really have to get them in third and longs and force those uh, – those moments where, where the ball's in Fromm's hand and he has to pass because if they end up getting worn down, especially in the second half, and those 31s, 32s consistently get converted, they're just going to get tired and, and eventually lose. But I can see I can see a game that's tight. I can see a game that, that's a little back and forth as far as momentum. And then I think that um, ultimately Georgia has the opportunity to win by like three or four, but I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're gonna win by a touchdown. I feel like it's safer to take Georgia, but I'm 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 really debating on putting this as an upset alert. <laughs> I just don't want to give Patrick the satisfaction. That the one key thing too to stopping Georgia is not just DeAndre stopping DeAndre Swift. It's also you have to get that pressure to Jake Fromm. You may not have yeah. to like sack him, but you at least got to hurry him up. You know, you may not have to get all the way there, but at least have a defensive end coming through with a hand right in his face, about to like obliterate him. Because we've all seen Jake Fromm under pressure. When he gets a little heat on him, them passes get a little suspect. Um, the one thing I do, I agree that Florida does have a little depth issue with um, defense. Like first team and second team, the quality is not the quality is not the same when the backups come in. Especially like we've seen with um, Jonathan Grenard and Zaniga come out, we we see how stuff happens. But I guess with the um, with the bye week helping, they should be better. They should be a little more healthier. And uh, that's good. Also, I think Dan Mullen's also better at personalizing, like specializing a certain scheme for a certain game. For like, he has a special that game plan for each team, and I think he's, he does that a bit better than Kirby. I think Kirby just and his coaching staff just allows for his talent to, like, take over some games. <clears throat> I haven't been impressed with Dan Mullins, honestly. Maybe it's just me being a hater. Really? Yeah. Really? He, he I, took I a 4-8 team. He took a 4-8 team I, to, like, I mean, 
At my heart, I'm still a Florida State fan, so I'm probably just hating. So you don't yeah, run you're, too you're far. Just hating. <laughs> you just hate. You just hate. You just hate. I'm about to say, I'm okay with to a, that. To a New Year's Six Bowl, I'm about to say. I'm okay with him in that. I, I feel like at least you're self-aware. Yeah, man, and it's Jim Harbaugh's fault ultimately, man. He gave these dudes confidence, man. <laughs> Put them on the map with that bogus bowl game. Ah, uh, don't even get me started on that crap, man. I hate when he does that. I hate when all these teams do that. Look at what Georgia did to Texas. Boosted their heads, and now look at us. We got to hear about it, and then they cry about losing these games to, like, TCU. Like, y'all suck. If you never got that bowl game, the expectation would have been to lose. Well, here's the difference. We're still, set like, 7-1, and one, and Texas is, like, what, 3-4? and four? Yeah. <laughs> like, Texas is about to lose to Kansas, Kansas State, New Mexico State, some other state. I don't know. Texas trash. <laughs> All right, so your final score prediction, uh, Patrick, on this game. Uh, what did I say before the first time? It was pretty high. I, I ignored I it because it was too high on, in my mind. <laughs> it was too high in my mind. <laughs> um, it was like, not, like 12 points or something like that? No, it's going to be a 10-point game. Touchdown on the field. 10-point game? All right. Yeah. Who, who's going to be the game changer for Florida? Kyle Pitts, big tight end. He's fast. He's big. He's too big for um, a corner and a safety to cover, but too fast for a linebacker to cover. He's that perfect receiving tight end that you need to change your offense. Um, he's gonna have. He's gonna be the main target when Kyle Trask is in a little bit of trouble. They're gonna throw slants to him, swing passes to him, jump balls to him, everything. Everything going to Kyle Pitts when in doubt. So look okay. for him to be have a high like. High amount of catches, high amount of yardage, and probably one or two touchdowns. Right. Also, Kadarius, also Kadarius Tony's coming back for Florida. He's he's not even a back or a receiver. He's just a do everything. Like you can put him in the backfield, you can put him out wide, you can put him in the slot, and he can fly. Get him. He's good on screen passes. He can take him to the house with a couple blocks. He's He's good on the slant route. He's good one-on-one. He's good on a fly. And he's just got foot speed to kill most defenders. Mm-hmm. All right, Marcus, your final score prediction? My final score, I said, um, uh, I, I, I would go, I'm going to stick with the 28-20. I think it's going to be one of those type of, you know, throwback UGA Florida games. I, I got to check the weather. It's been raining here in Atlanta, so Jacksonville's not to too far. Okay, so the weather's okay. fine. I mean, I think all things considering, I think I think from and UGA and Kirby, I think they're still on a mission. I think with Oklahoma losing, that kind of recharges them and, you know, gives them hope again that they could reach the college football playoff if they went out. I think from it was just could possibly be his last game at UGA. Well, his last, you know, the UF um, UGA game, excuse me. So I think with that, man, I'm going to stick with 28-20. I think Kirby and crew get it done. Okay. All right. Well, we will definitely revisit this next week. Thank you for calling, Patrick. You're welcome. I'll All take right. my loss like a man if um if it goes badly. <laughs> oh, don't <laughs> worry. We're going to make sure that you hear about it if it goes badly. Hey, but I, it hey, wouldn't be that far. I, I ste- hey, I stepped up when LSU beat us, so. Yeah, because you were way off about I was, that. <laughs> I was. I was 
I was wrong. I was thinking it was going to be more like what Auburn LSU was because I'm like, oh, that's what I, the Auburn LSU was what I thought that was going to be. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. I would I would love to see uh, a lot of points in this game, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Actually, I wanted to point out too before you go that uh, College Game Day. I don't care what nobody says. College Game Day decided to go see SMU at Memphis over Florida versus Georgia. I don't care what nobody says. That's they knew what they were scheduling. They just didn't want to go there because they knew it was going to be boring. <laughs> also, it's going to Jacksonville's like um, Jaguar Stadium. That's not fun at all. <laughs> Jaguar Stadium sucks. It's like, all right, you can hear like the like the police sirens and the murder scene like down the street. Yeah, that's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> That'll just take your buzz right away. You feel you four beers in. Next thing you know, you just hear some gunshots. Oh, it's over. And, I, well, we're gonna go ahead and talk about our best bets. Thanks for calling, bro. Thank you. All right, all right. Moving along, um, I guess we could go ahead and start with that as our as one of our games. The cat. You said it was at six. I am on the site now. Let's see if it moved up. They always put the key games on my bookie down at the bottom. I don't understand why. All right, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's at six. And Florida money line is plus one eighty. The over under is forty four and a half. Um, I mean, I'm still, I'm still leaning to taking the six. Yeah, I would like to see it at like seven, seven and a half, sure. Because that, because like, I can see where it could definitely end in at least down win. I don't think it'll be more than seven though. I don't yeah. think it'll be more than seven. So it could be one of those lines. Um, also, if people are listening, it could be one of those lines where you play Georgia at the six. And then if it goes up to like seven, seven and a half, you double back and play Florida and then hope that you can hit both in some way. Yeah. I don't know. It, it'd be kind of difficult, but it just kind of looks like one of those lines because it's a toss up. Uh, is there any other game that stands out to you as a, as a best bet this weekend? Cause we've been doing pretty good on our uh, dog plays. Yeah. I got my dog play for the week. I'm going with uh, the horn frogs, man. They're two point. Let's see if they still. Yeah, they're two and a half point dog um, on the road against Oklahoma State. They look pretty good. I mean, listen, Texas has like what the seventh ranked pass defense in the country or whatever it is. But you know, Gary Patterson is one of the better defensive coaches in the country. I think Oklahoma State's a good team. I think TCU is going to ride this momentum, go into Stillwater, um, get a win, and, and cover the two and a half points. I like that. Um, that's been a pretty good dog play. I will say my dog plays the last, like, four weeks have been pretty good. I took the um, Indiana last week, got the win over Nebraska, which is one that I um, I had circled. I laid big on that. That's one of my favorite games, I would say. Uh, let me go through. I had a couple written down. It was that. Then it was, oh, Washington and Utah. I know the mm-hmm. Huskies are five and three. But I, I mean, just from based on you know what I say, I think Utah's a what three and a half point um, favorite. I can mm-hmm. see UW uh, covering that, and I can even see them winning at home against the Utah team, who's good. But I mean, Washington has been really streaky. Some weeks they look really good, some weeks they look really bad. So I, I, w- I could take a little risk on the Huskies this week with the uh, three and a half points. Yeah, I um. I'm searching. I'm looking at some of these lines, and I'm like, "What in the world?" It's not the most. It's not the prettiest week of uh, college. Not at all. Lines. Um, 
I was thinking uh, one of my dog plays that I really like. I need to know the status of Purdue's quarterback situation, if he's coming back or not. And then, um, honestly, my favorite dog play is probably Fresno State visiting Hawaii. I know Hawaii is known to to be tough. Um, Fresno's a two-point underdog right now. But I really think Fresno's just a more quality team. And I I think that they're going to show out because they're playing a, a team that has no defense, really. So, um, yeah. it, it, and they're also used to playing in uh, visiting uh, stadiums that have uh, advantages left and right. So, that's the thing about um, the WAC conferences or the Mountain West, sorry, the Mountain West. Like, every visiting stadium has some kind of altitude uh, advantage. So, after a while, especially this late in the season, it doesn't really count because everybody's pretty much used to it. You know, now in the first yeah. couple of weeks, yeah, it's a it's an advantage. But if if you're constantly visiting places like Boise State, not saying like Boise State in general, but like stadiums with an advantage like that, then eventually it wears it wears off. So I'm looking at this line like they're not evenly matched, and that line is saying that they're evenly matched. So I'm going to take the better team, and I would definitely parlay it with your uh, TCU pick. We had a call it, but then it dropped. A, it might have been the king. I have another one too. I'm going to uh-huh. die on this hill, and it, mm-hmm. I. I, I <laughs> This is one that, I mean, they've burned me quite a few times this year and quite a few times the last 10 years. UVA is a a two-and-a-half dog against UVA. I I can't. UVA on the road, I'm done with them. I'm done with them. I like – but but here, hear me out. Hear me out. Talk me off this ledge. I do think Bryce Perkins is really good. I think all UVA, you know, they probably aren't as good as we thought they would be at this point, but I think they're a more talented team. North Carolina, they, they've had some good wins, but they've also had some really, really bad losses. And I think they're coming off a really high, uh, really high week where, you know, they beat Duke, a big rivalry game. Mac was dancing all in the videos like Diddy in 99. And I like Bryce Perkins and crew to come in, man, and take care of business. I'm going to ride with UVA one more time. That two and a half, I'm going to lay it and trust the Wahoos. So here's my thing about messing with these Wahoos, man. They <laughs> are trash on the road. They're so inconsistent. Bryce, Bryce Perkins is one-dimensional, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I saw in him before the season. Or maybe the one game that I watched was just a bad game. I just don't know. I don't like him because he's left-handed, too. It's just funky looking to me. I just don't like it at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only thing I can talk you down off of is the fact that UNC's best games are at home. And then yep. the thing about UNC covers is they're covering spreads that are under three, basically. Like, they do just yeah. enough to win. And, and and even last week, it was three and a half uh, is what I had um, in my, my um, pick'em league. So they go by like the the opening day spreads or whatever. So it was three and a half UNC against Duke, and they somehow only covered by three. They were on the three yard line, on the three yard line, with a minute and fifty six seconds left, fumbled the ball in just one of the wildest innings I've or endings I've seen in a college football game in a long time since Miami ran that uh, kickback on uh, Duke. Yeah, like it was just it was Duke, yeah. ridiculous. It was the most ridiculous ending. And they ended up only covering by three. So imagine you've got a three and a half spread, a minute and like fifty seconds left, and the team's on the three yard line, and you don't get a cover. 
that's the type of stuff that makes you quit, man. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I think it's calling. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to just say real quick. It is not looking good. I was just running the um on Onshark that UVA is what one and three, one and four against the spread this year. I mean, the the trends definitely are going against me, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to trust my football acumen and a little bit of football luck. Wahoo! Wah. Oh yeah, no, definitely. You need luck sometimes for sure. Nine one three six. Who we talking to? Hail to the victors! What's up, fellas? <laughs> oh my god! This week's episode, yeah. the redemption tour. <laughs> oh my god! Look, we're not we're not gonna brag. We're not gonna brag about beating Notre Dame. And and I nah, had that nah, in my, nah, we ain't doing that. I had that in my notes. So for everybody listening, and I don't know who set this line, but whoever, whoever had Brian Kelly as a favorite on the road against any ranked opponent, especially Michigan, deserves to have their neck slapped. And I hope you lost all your money. Like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous, yo. I, I, oh, I, I, I took my friend. I made my friend play it. I made my friend bet on Michigan. He was like, but you don't like Michigan. I said, it doesn't matter who I like when I'm betting. Bet on Michigan. And we went to the bar, and I told him, I was like, you're going to know in the first 15 minutes of this game how it's going to go. I was like, we can leave after 15 minutes. And sure enough, it was over. It was over. <laughs> 15 minutes. Like, Notre Dame's so hype, man. So hype. Kids, yeah, they're pretty hype. If you could pick your top 10 team right now, let's say you're the committee, because the committee did not get to pick, uh, unfortunately. I, I just got too busy. So, if you uh-huh. could do your top 10 team, who would your top 10 teams be? Uh, I'd probably say one, LSU. Two mm-hmm. Ohio State, three Alabama, four Clemson, mm-hmm. five. Ooh, I'm probably gonna say for now until this weekend, Florida, six Ooh, okay. Penn State, six mm-hmm. Penn State, seven. Mm, uh, who's who's up there at seven? Um, you could probably throw I, UGA in there. UGA, yeah, Georgia. There we go, Georgia. Georgia, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say eight. I'm gonna go with Utah. I like Utah, and um, okay. nine and ten really don't matter to me because uh, <laughs> I, I'm not. I, so the so, first those eight. You got uh, to put. Go ahead, yeah, you didn't put Oklahoma. I, in. How far do they drop? I would. I would put Oklahoma probably. 10, okay, there you go. There you go. Maybe the Oklahoma. Oregon in there. And put I Oregon think Oklahoma, is, I'm going to put Oregon at uh, nine and then Oklahoma at ten just because of that loss. Is there any way Oregon could climb into your four? Because that's been a lot of talk huh? about that. A lot of people think that Oregon could potentially backdoor their way into uh, the college playoffs. I don't – honestly, I, I could see that because, honestly, uh, Penn State may be undefeated, but real talk uh, – I can't see them beating any of the top four teams at all. I, I I can't. I mean, they're they're a good team. Don't get it twisted. I'm not hating on them because they beat they beat Michigan. But I, I mean, even though that was a close game, but I just don't see them having enough firepower to hang with the rest of the top four. Because uh, Hamler, he, Hamler's a special talent. I, I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, he's a ball. He, he's gonna play on Sundays. But after him. I don't see anybody on that team that would scare anybody. Yep. In the in the top four, I I can't see that. 
And but as far as uh, Georgia, Florida, like I said, I, I don't know. I, I say this: Georgia's defense hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, their offense has regressed, but I still got them beating Florida. So, by how much? I'd probably say, I'd probably say a score. Huh? I mean, I All think right. that's going to be a defensive game. First team to ten probably takes it. Yeah. The, the, all right, let's say um, give me a percentage of, of how much of a chance that Penn State stands against Ohio State in your mind. Oh, I'm just going to be safe and say 30. Okay. I'm going to go with zero. Jeez. <laughs> hey, it's a, you know, it's Damn, no. there ain't nobody in this nation beating that team unless you find a way to block that Bama. And you know who I'm talking about. He is not a Heisman candidate, but God, he's good, man. He, don't he's don't get me don't get me going. He's don't don't get special, me started, man. Like, do not, do not he, get me started. I I think we can unify on this one, Akeem. Like I can't stand to see the rich get richer, but the fact that they could go through two bosses and still end up with something like that angers me. <laughs> How is that possible? Where do you find them at? Where are they growing? Where are these people coming from? Hey man, he deserves to be up there. I mean, I, he might be the best player right now. He is. He's man, like, he, yeah, he's by far the best player in college football. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about it in my mind. If yeah, you're watching yeah. the film, you're looking at Chase Young. The thing is, not only does he destroy protections, right? Well, Wisconsin mm-hmm. did the most idiotic thing last week and decided to leave him one on one with a tight end. That yeah, I was surprised. That's shocking. If an elite, yeah. if you have an elite tackle that can't block an elite pass rusher, why would you leave him one-on-one on a tight end? And if you look at I mean, you can get into the advanced statistics, man. This guy's averaging a quarterback rush, like, you know, in one in every three snaps. That's, that's insane. Like, you know, if you really think about the football aspect of it, but I know it's, it's, it's so hard to, as a defensive player to get any respect for the Heisman. But I, I think now I think you've seen a lot of prominent writers around, you know, Gus Johnson. You've seen people like, look, uh-huh. If the Heisman Trophy is really about the best player in college football and not being – because, you know, the quarterbacks, you already got the Maxwell, you got the Davey O'Brien and the Heisman. Like, you know, I think at some point you got to say, all right, you know, what's this award about? Do I think he's going to win? No, especially – now, if Joe Barrow comes out, you know, and not performs well against LSU, then I Uh think maybe, you know, he'll have a chance. Because, I mean, you got to think about the top five Heisman candidates. Three of them are Buckeyes, J.K. Dobbins, Justin Fields, sure. Chase Young. You know, That's and you right. think about that. But, but this is what I want to know, okay? How how big of a win against, regardless of how we felt about Notre Dame, coming into the game, Notre Dame was nine, Michigan was 18. How big of a win is that for Jim Harbaugh in that program? And it looks like the offense is finally getting something going. Or is it fool's goal? That was, that was I think, a big win. And in yeah. terms of, you can see Harbaugh's energy. You can tell it meant something. You can see after we were scoring touchdowns, he was hand, he was hyped up. I'm like, okay, yeah. this means something. And as far as the offense goes, we kind of I noticed that they threw a lot of concepts that they did last year into the game yep. plan last Saturday, which I I thought was pretty pretty neat. Kind of mix it up with what Gaddis has got and what they did last year. I said, if I mean, it's kind of funny that it's a, a rainy inclement weather day for the <laughs> offense to get going. I was like, yeah. of course. I'm like, hey, if, if we have to be a smile, smash mouth, pull our pants up, and play big boy football, I'm all for it, you know. But, but yeah. that Patterson guy, man, I'm telling you, 
There were times in that game, I was, I was like, he was just yeah, trying to give that game away. I was like, oh, yeah. this guy, man. <laughs> that backwards pass, oh, man, I almost jumped off my couch when I seen that. And I think we were up. <laughs> we were up like four, three touchdowns. I was like, oh, my God, no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> but no. Indeed, bro. Yeah, man, I was like, you know, that what part the part of that game that surprised me, how ineffective Notre Dame just looked completely. I was just like, Yeah, wow. they looked really bad. They look really I, bad. I mean, they did look I thought look their defense was better. All. Yeah, I thought their defense was actually a lot better than what I've seen because they, they played Georgia yep. pretty well on defense. And then I, and Ian Book, he got, he got I think he's regressed too, a la Shea Yeah, Bennett. he's looked like it. Yeah. Yeah, because ever since the college football playoff, he's just kind of been, ugh, I don't even know. I don't even recognize him no more. I'm like, man. And he bitched him in the fourth, so I was like, wow, this – that was a really dominant win for Michigan. I was I was kind of impressed. I'm like, look, if they can keep them, I mean, if they took the momentum from the Penn State game in the second half and basically carried it over to Notre Dame. So yeah. I was I was impressed. Impressive win, man. But now nah, I ain't gonna get my hopes yeah. up. Y'all, y'all, y'all can saying. chill on that. We got Maryland this week. Yeah. But I mean, let's say Michigan goes ten and two. That's not a bad year. Like I think, like I think it's safe to come to the conclusion that Ohio State is operating at the Death Star caliber level. Like Absolutely. Ryan Day is the Sith Lord. Justin Field. Like I mean, it's just at, at this rate, they're just operating on such a high clip that maybe mm-hmm. Michigan's best is ten and two. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I I think people may or even nine and you know, nine and three or ten and three. I think that's a really good season for Michigan. I think maybe I honestly think next year is really going to be the year that's probably going to be Michigan's year because I think McCaffrey or Milton is probably a better quarterback for Shea Patterson, especially Milton, considering now, that you really want now go ahead. Now I got a I got a question for that. Everybody talked about McCaffrey, and everybody has seen how good, bad Patterson's been playing, how off and on he's been this year. My question is this. At one point, if when is McCaffrey going to see the field? Is he that How is is he that not that much better than Patterson that he can't see the field right now? That's my question. So, The thing I always say with that about coaches, man, it's the same thing, man. With J.T. Barrett, you know, we have J.T. Barrett decided to start him over Dwayne Haskins and Joe Barrow, right? I think for coaches, Mm -hmm. it's a lot about comfort. It's a lot about trust. And I think talent is part of the equation, but he's comfortable with Shea and he trusts Shea. And I don't know how much of the playbook McCaffrey knows or doesn't know, but I do think he's a better talent just based on what we've seen. And I think maybe if Michigan loses another game down the stretch, I think you'll definitely probably see McCaffrey, but – I think Jim is, doesn't want to pull a kid. Like, I think Jim – one thing about Jim, I'll give him credit. He's loyal to his guys. And, I, you know, he was a quarterback. And, you know, he's had some – he talks about, you know, quarterback bad plays to be expected. He doesn't expect good play, which makes sense. It's, just, it's a really hard position. So, uh-huh. I mean, I think if, if he loses another game, then maybe. But, I mean, I, I me mean, personally, I would have played him a long time ago. I mean, I would have played him after, what was that, the uh, the Wisconsin game and just see what the kid got, you know, and give him a little run. I know he got in there some mop-up duty here and there, but you're right. It's like, all right, if Shea Patterson, I mean, just continues to be lackluster even for the rest of the season, I, I'd see what the kid got up, just throw him in there and see what happens. Yeah, man, because uh, we got Maryland this weekend, and I'm just kind of thinking <clears throat> Maryland's look pretty terrible. But it's something about it. Like, that's a kind of a personal, yeah, very trash. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Maryland, that, that, 
Yeah, that rivalry between Gaddis and uh, what's the coach's name? I can't even pronounce his name. Lockley. Yeah, Lockley, Lockley, there you go. They got a little beef going on there, so hopefully Gaddis, you know, takes that takes a little take it a little personally and uh, turns it up on offense, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, man. I tell you, if we hope we just I, get I a clean slate. It's a difficult situation uh, for Harbaugh um, as far as switching quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. I won't judge him too hard on that. Oh, yeah, man. I just like, hey, at this point, I just want to get a clean slate, stay undefeated, uh, stay uh, stay winless. I mean, not winless. I mean, stay undefeated at this point until we get to uh, Ohio State. And uh, we'll yep. take it from there, man. All right. Well, um, thanks for calling, bro. I like your top ten a little. Just a little. I don't like Florida okay. as high as you know, but, but it's hey, all right. No, they're going to drop after bad. this weekend. Yeah, I'll put you on the spot weekend, anyway, man. so it, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. That's all good. We're, hey, we're going to Yeah, go ahead. Yo, what are you doing at NBA podcast? I got some smoke for a couple people. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, nah, the NBA. So, um, and, and I know I'm probably going to get crap for talking about this on the on the college football podcast, but the NBA podcast, um, it would have been this Tuesday but, um, like, I've been really busy at work. And then uh, what happened was the golf podcast actually has Tuesday's book. So I'm just going to have to rework a day because we got Tuesdays and Wednesdays taken up. So I'll have to figure out a day with uh, Corey and Maurice. But um, definitely oh, call in, man. I'm going to need all the help I can get because I know they're going to jump me. That's, that's how they do. <laughs> that's right. how they do, man. All right, all right man. Take care. I appreciate that, man. I'll talk to y'all, man. All right, bro. All right, bro. So let's see. We got we still got a couple more games that we can cover. Like I said, this weekend, man, it's not as it's not as um yeah, it's not, it's a not as attractive. Yeah, it's not as attractive as as some of our other weekends. And and honestly, if you look at the look at the early slate, I guess Michigan Maryland might be the best twelve o'clock game. Like that's gonna be disgusting. <laughs> I, and yeah. Nebraska Purdue is a twelve o'clock game. Like I will say this, I'm probably sounding crazy right now, but yo. Massachusetts again. Here we go. We have a oh, yes. Liberty. I saw that. Yes, I saw that. we have we have a team that's in the FBS, a team that's traditionally FBS level, and we have a team that is not only visiting their stadium, but in their first year in the FBS, and they are favored by twenty three and a half. I said it last week. I'm going to go ahead and say it again, even though I know UMass is probably the worst football program in all of college football next to UConn. But there is no way that Liberty should go into UMass and win by 23 and a half. There is no way. No way. I, I just I can't see it. I can't see it. I'm actually about to look at uh, Liberty's uh, UMass schedule. UMass is really bad, though. They UMass are really bad. Really bad. So look, I'm looking at looking at their schedule. They couldn't beat New Mexico State by more than seven. <laughs> that, uh, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Like honestly, they went to New Mexico State. They couldn't beat New Mexico State by more than seven. And New Mexico State is trash. Okay, they're they're, they're a basketball school, and that was three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Not only that, last week they traveled to Rutgers. And they only uh and they lost by ten and they were favored in that game. So yep. I'm looking at the schedule. You got back to back weeks of travel. They're playing another another program that's bigger than theirs. And they're twenty three and a half favorites, like man. 
that is that is asking a lot. And and I know UMass is bad, but it it UMass to me is, is just, really 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 bad. It's so inflated. It's so inflated. I mean, and then you look at the statistics, it, it, it is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> They're giving I mean, up 50 points a game. But, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know. Is they, all right, so they're giving up 50 points a game, and Liberty is giving up 26.8. Right, I can see where they got that line from then, but it just never works out that way. It never works out that way. So, again, UMass I think that's – UMass is 1-7, man. Yeah. I think that's a little inflated, but yeah, I could, I could, I could go with that. So we will, we will see how that plays out. Um, other than that, man, like, like I said, I, I, I like the Fresno game. Um, as far as like a, um, a play that's a dog play, I'm not sure if I'm willing to for that as an upset alert. I think that's asking for too much, but I, I, I definitely like that spread if it goes up a little higher. I don't see anything attractive on Thursday night. App State 16-point favorite against Georgia Southern. Um, Baylor's an 18.5-point favorite against West Virginia. Navy's a 28-point favorite against UConn on Friday. So not getting too much there either in the form of, of plays. And then, like I said, Saturday is just not necessarily that attractive. Um, I will say that Marshall is on my radar for Conference USA play. Because we still got a couple more weeks, and I want to see how they mm-hmm. go with Rice. That 11 doesn't necessarily scare me, but um, they've been pretty solid. I keep an eye on them for conference play. But uh, anybody listening, now is the time to really branch out, get get an eye on some of these teams, because bowl season will be here before you know it, and that's when you really cash in on all the data you've collected. Yeah, it's um this weekend, man, like I said, I, I like UVA. I like I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna sleep on the Utah and Washington, and then the uh, it's, uh, yeah this weekend is just isn't a really good weekend man for any really games. I mean, obviously we're fanatics, so we're probably gonna watch eighty percent of the games mm-hmm. anyway. But TCU I like UVA I like and Washington I like as my dog plays, and I'm gonna check out a couple of other. And I, honestly, I give picks on the you know on the show, and then Saturday morning when I wake up, I kind of like. Not reshuffle, but I go, all right, what do I really, you know, feel really good about or I'll pick up some other games. So I'm going to check out a couple of um, – it was the Arizona State and – no, it wasn't Arizona State. It was Florida State, actually. You guys are three-point favorites against Miami. I I, I like y'all, to be fair. I, I, I don't know if I could – it's hard for me to trust Taggart, man. I mean, he my bro. Black Lives Matter. Black Coaches Matter. So I'm, I'm, I might I might pick him up, man. I'm, I might rock with the Seminoles, man. One time this year, I like I kind of like because Miami's just in a skid. They're just looking really bad. I mean, I I don't like that nuts at all, man. I don't. I I've bet Florida State I think twice this year. I don't have anything to show yeah. for it. <laughs> we ain't come to Memphis. So, uh, Memphis SMU. How you feeling about that game, Memphis at SMU? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? You're right. I I definitely. I definitely uh, forgot all about my marquee game of the week. Uh, Memphis SMU, man, this line shot up too. Jesus. Yeah, six points. It's a six-point line. It, 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 was, it was six when I checked it earlier. Yeah, like who is who is betting this stuff, man? That is wild. Six points. 
Hey, let me get that with SMU, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what that I was thinking. Because if you're, if you're telling me this is six points, because the over-under is up, too. I, I think I predicted it being, like, high 60s, open to 69. Now it's at 71 and a half. Uh, the spread, I know for a fact, because I posted this in the group. The spread was three and a half on Monday, and now it's six. So you're telling me you're expecting a shootout. And if we're doing a shootout, SMU to cover Definitely. Let me get that. Yeah, let me get that. Because everything's pointing to a shootout. Let me get that. And if you look at the, the bets placed and stuff, I mean, most of the money, everything is, is geared towards, as far as moving the line, is geared toward SMU, yet we're still seeing the line rise on the Memphis side. So I'm going to look I'm gonna look at some data, and I will definitely post this stuff in the group for people listening. I will definitely post this in the group. But I'm going to look at some data. We might have some reverse line movement here. And, and I mean, if I, if I see it, I'm definitely all over SMU because that is inflated. I don't care what nobody says. I like inflated. SMU, too. And that's, that was another dog play that I had wrote down. I forgot all about it. We, I thought we were talking about the marquee games. But now the score, you know, you take computers, you know, however. But, you know, the score predictor that I use sometimes just to kind of see, like, all right, you know, how the computers feel about these two teams. 36.8 for SMU, 36.2 for Memphis. So they feel that they're pretty even, but, I mean, if you had to decide with, you know, the computer says Memphis, or they're going to cover, they're going to win, and the game is going to go over. So, I mean, mm-hmm. one thing, one key stat that's crazy to me, SMU averages 84 plays per game to Memphis' 66 plays per game. That's a lot of plays, and that's a lot of time to be on the field. And I really like, and let me see what Memphis is. Memphis defense is they're okay. I mean, their total scoring, I think they're giving up, what, 20 a game compared to mm-hmm. SMU's offense is scoring 43 a game. Um, let me see. Yards per play. They, I, I don't, Memphis defense, I'm with you. This is a shootout. I like Sonny Dykes, man. I mean, he's an air raid guy, and that's what he's coming to do. He's coming to score 40. You gotta yeah. Be, it's going to be crazy. It's, it's going it's to be one of those crazy, you know, AAC probably a 38. No, nah, it's probably going to be higher than that. 42 to 38 type game. Yeah, like honestly, you telling me you telling me a shootout, I got to take SMU, man. That that's what they want. Yeah. That's what they want and and I think it's a it's a quietly kept secret, but Memphis is geared to to run a lot more than what we've seen in the past. So, I mean, hey, we're going to see, but that, that, that's a lot of movement for, cause I, I'm pretty sure I posted this like two days ago and I looked on action sports um, on my app and the guy who posted on there, he always posts his picks. He's one of the contributors. He got the line at three, two. So you tell me it's six now. And I mean, that's definitely sharp money, but woo, that's a lot, man. So yeah. I'll keep, I'll keep an eye on it. If it's moving up to six, I want to see if people start buying back. And if they don't buy back, then I'm definitely taking anything within the touchdown, like to to SMU. I'm I'm sorry, I I could be wrong, but hey, that's why we gamble. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, thanks for calling, man. I'm, we'll go ahead and end yeah, on that because, no like I said, that's wild. That's wild. Uh, hit us up on uh, Facebook in the sports group, or you can DM me directly if you want to know anything I'm looking at. I don't mind giving out advice or if you guys want to follow. I am currently 8-5 and five, uh, for the week thanks to some 
poorly done um, NBA props. I missed another one by a bucket today, but it happens. Um, yeah. College football, I'm still over. Actually, I pick them league. In my pick them league, I took Keith Fleming and his brother from last to first, and I'm shooting at 64% um, for the entire season. So that's that's pretty good because I came in and they were dead last, and now we're tied for first. So um, we're doing pretty good. So, again, hit me up if you want any advice. Hit Marcus up. I'm sure he doesn't mind help, uh, helping as well. Yeah, hit me up. I'm going to charge you a fee, though. Nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, good show, man. Thanks for calling. Until next week. All right, man. All right. This has been the IBN College Football Podcast for Week 10, and we're signing off.